Hello everyone, it's Dave from Squawking Dead. Just wanted to give you another heads up that we did do another reaction video for this episode. Of course, you're listening on audio, so it's a reaction audio. Uh, if you do want to take a look at that, you can always go to our YouTube or Facebook page, Instagram even, Twitch. Uh, you can actually watch that with uh, a companion video, obviously, of the episode in the lower left corner. Your choice, but it's good to give you a heads up in case you are listening and you're going what the is going on so it actually plays right after what i'm saying right now and then it'll jump into the intro music and the rest of the episode so thank you for listening as always rate us on rate this podcast.com slash squawking dead it has helped believe me it has helped a lot and i thank you for leaving your reviews uh everywhere spotify uh, stitcher etc thank you for doing that and uh again uh, a good place to kind of mention uh, following us on ko-fi.com slash dead in case you want to be in on the recordings. Uh, you can be in the audience commenting, reacting, posing questions, uh, and really contributing to the, to the way the episode basically comes out. So again, ko-fi.com slash dead. Just follow us. You don't have to buy us a coffee until you're ready to commit. Uh, when you buy us coffee, you will get 30 days of supporter back content. And if you subscribe to a coffee month or more, the party just keeps on rolling. Thank you so much and enjoy the episode. It's like Daniel's like on the other side. It's really good on headphones. <laughs> Tulino. It's kosher. <laughs> it's tomato soup. What's in it? Super Daniel 3? <laughs> Daniel's face has been through a lot. Oh, now you can actually clearly see Swati in the binoculars. Like, in, not in the promo photos. Paige is back? Just kidding. It's Sarah. It's Sarah. Foreshadowing? No. Maybe? That question's answered now. <laughs> but is it nice? Smart. Ooh, looks like it's been a while. Narsty. Including June. Hey, it looks like Daryl on top of Hilltop. What did you do, Daniel? Ugh. What an intro, right? Just going straight from the bars to the intro screen, right? See, I like Rachel's face because now she can't talk. It's like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> Smiles. It's a rarity. Smiles. I love, I love Ruben Blade. I wonder who he's talking to, right? It's Charlie. He's talking to Charlie. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. This is never gonna be submitted to The Walking Dead. <laughs> Looking his skid mark. Ooh. A con. Acknowledging a con. Ooh. Hey, Charlie. Oh. Ominous lock in the foreground. Welcome to my mind. Ooh. Ba back to Grid Schoolhouse Road. <laughs> just imagine every episode is just one more character dies until <laughs> we get to the rest of the season. <laughs> Whoa. Oh boy. Victor speak. Silence the whispers, anybody? Woo! A rock accidentally. Ooh. It was Charlie again. Maybe, though. Super Charlie 3? I'm trying not to look at your faces. <laughs> no offense. What if it's just bad gas? Will Charlie be the next MVP? Eh? Eh? Oh, More torture? Look at that tree right in the middle, too. Beautiful. Do you think someone let them in? Do you think someone <laughs> It rhymes with schmaniel. Ooh. A saw. This is like Rachel's favorite part right here, probably. Right? <laughs> Ooh! Oh, no. A walker that looks like Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear like the woo woo woo? Like to the party. And the guns came from the dun dun dun. Where's Bobby? Where's um, Samuels and all this too? The theory. Triple dipping. Season three. Man, I thought this place was safe. <laughs> Ooh, gross. Sarah's Rachel right now. Oh, move that Victor. 
Rachel always did have resting bitch face, you know what I'm saying? Are you giving my, my sweet pee the D? Are you? Ooh, no he doesn't. Swatty? Yeah. Oh boy. Repeat of last episode anyway? <laughs> like, just almost? This much? This close? This reminds me of Spring Break uh, 1999, I think. No? Not just me? Okay. <laughs> What? It's pretty the rager. Well, I almost shot Victor in the face. <laughs> Past tense. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Was I right about Charlie? They didn't mean it. I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it was a rough one. Oh shit. Oh shit. And he hid the guns. Oh, speechless. Heartbreak. This is the beginning of the episode. Right? That's hard to believe, by the way. Maybe that's why. Unless he thinks he needs to be this way. Super duper Daniel 3 kind of thing. Like, literally. What do you guys think of, like, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover? Maybe? No? Okay. Splinter, played by John Glover. Super Strand 4? Ugh. My heart. Ugh. Yeah, Rachel. And me, you little. A little. It's another one I have to look up. I said what I said! I know that's from something specific that I'm forgetting right now. Oh god, I'm a snotty mess. This is not fun. Go, go with him. It's, it's fine. I don't want this to be over. Uh. <laughs> now I'm thinking, where's, where's Talking Dead? Where, where's talk, is Talking Dead on next? God, they're gonna get so much shit. Seriously. Squawking Dead, a podcast pulverizing episodes of the Walking Dead universe. Sometimes we give you news, sometimes we make you laugh, but most times we go deep. In today's episode, we're discussing Fear of the Walking Dead's 10th episode of season 6, titled Handle with Kya. Do we have anything to, to any housekeeping to, get, to do? In two weeks, May 9th, we're having another trivia game. It will cover Fear of the Walking Dead seasons 4 through 6, including the... Um, 6B episodes that we've seen. So up to 611. Right. Including next week's essentially. Correct. Correct. Yep. So be there. Subscribe to youtube.com slash Gardner <laughs> and then follow her on social media in order to participate. You're going to have to DM her, see if you can yep. get on board the, uh, the the group that she has going or the list of people that she has that may play. So, and you'll be playing for real prizes. Well, now we've mentioned this before. She will tell you exactly what prizes you may or may not win. I mean, you have to be good. Listen, if you don't know your fear front to back or you're not willing to study don't even bother yes i am discouraging you yeah we, we give you the hard truth at squawking dead because <laughs> and i do this for your own good you'll just be embarrassing yourself because sharon will ask a question that'll make you go what the fuck and then you'll be like what am i even doing here i'm in the upper echelons of feardom I should just back out now. You can't back out. You gotta, you gotta last the whole episode. It's not like they can kick you off the stream. You're there for the entire hour knowing nothing. So study up. It's always a good time. And even if you don't know the answer, you know, you have the opportunity to put in something funny and make everybody laugh. And it's just a good time. Nice way to kick things off. Becky says, I I've decided to visit uh, earlier seasons because of Handle with Care. And I think that's a very good place to start because... One of the things I've said about this season on Reddit to other people is that it does a nice job of not forgetting the first three seasons, uh, incorporating the totality of the characters and creating something new with it. But not also like, again, still acknowledging seasons four through six, that they did happen and they do have relevance to the season. It's never been more present than this episode. Like you could say, oh yeah, they mentioned something about season four, th you know, four through five. Oh, they mentioned something about season one through three. They dropped some serious things from season 
season one through three in, in accordance to like Daniel's character. And I, I really, really, really enjoyed that. Lest you forget, one of the bigger, one of the bigger drops was the psychological problems that Daniel was having leading up to, I think, um, episode seven, I think, of season two. Basically, when Daniel burns down uh, Celia's ah. mansion, Peggy says, uh, people message me about their confusion with this episode because they only started watching season four. Having said that, Becky says, I want Tobias to show up. Yeah, you and the rest of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that. I'm going to be honest with you. I get the idea of it. Like, oh, this kid, he seems to know what's up. Oh, he has to give his knife back, but he needs it to stab walkers in the head, right? But who who wants to know the person who knows what's going on in the apocalypse? I don't know. I mean, he was such he was he was an interesting character in the first season and we never saw him die. So it I I think it would be interesting if he popped back up. I mean, Walking Dead did it with Morales. Why not? But what happened with Morales? <laughs> yeah, he died right after. But so, so in this in this situation, Tobias would survive, right? Because we can't totally copy The Walking Dead. Oh no! I no. mean, See, if this I... kid if this kid knew what the fuck was up, like he might be like running some settlement somewhere. Like he's he's the leader of wherever he's at. <laughs> If you did bring him back, he would be like a significant character who's clearly capable, but like they'd have to find a way that he die, like die horribly. Like our characters need to be vulnerable enough to feel like they could die and then they don't. This guy, Tobias, would have to be like, you know, super competent, super capable, you know, knows what he's doing, but then you'd have to find a way that one of the characters fuck him over. <laughs> <laughs> that's how because that's how he'd have to go not every series can have a daryl strandle stab him in the leg and feed him to the walkers it's okay. exactly exactly <laughs> there you go problem solved or you know non-problem i think oh, that's dear. why i don't want him to show up that's the thing I think the fact that he's not there is even more fun to play with. Imagining him doing this or doing that. Oh, Tobias wouldn't have that problem. Like Madison <laughs> getting bl blown up in the diamond. Tobias wouldn't have done that. You know, like <laughs> that idea. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> I would just like blame everything. Like Tobias wouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What would Tobias do? <laughs> like like <laughs> Tobias wouldn't have got shot by Dakota. Right. <laughs> We should like label every episode. Dave tries to get everybody to hate him. Tobias would have <laughs> chopped Jenny's head off. Tobias would have <laughs> taken over this podcast. <laughs> See, Becky says Tobias could show up on the tail spinoff. Yeah, only if he dies though. That's that my that's my proviso. He has to like die heroically at the end, or horribly, or he becomes like a terrible person. That's what I want. If he comes back, he has to be a villain. Yes. Speaking of, here's somebody I really wanted to come back, and I really, really wish she would. Alex, who was on, who From was the on plane. the web series fight 462 and showed up on the show which was awesome and then she gets on a rubber dinghy with her friend who's gonna die and then they put her out to sea and that's somebody i would definitely want to come back again she was on talking dead too oh shit that is insane back in the day when they actually had talking dead for fear and it was called talking fear becky says i still can't believe they, are, they aren't having talking dead after every episode i'm like where's talking dead where's talking dead we need a talking dead after this mm -hmm. this is so super interesting colby needed to sit, be there and like have her her goodbye moment on talking dead 100 percent. just to kind of wrap it up in a bow because we have mentioned this before but i don't know if we've mentioned it on air when talking dead started taking a hiatus from fear it was around the time where the chris hardwick allegations came out so they took a break from fear because of that and then they realized oh do we need to recover all of fear okay well maybe we'll have a yvette nicole brown special like in the mid-season yeah it was at least the mid-season finale and then they brought him back i think for the mid-season premiere and then again they took off until the season season finale that was for fear the walking dead season five 
five. And then they just kind of kept that going. However, the reason why it's so confusing is because A, COVID, sort of, because there was that gap, so we forgot. But even further is because during the first few episodes, few of Fear the Walking Dead, they did air some, you know, Talking Dead at Home episodes for Fear the Walking Dead. And then they stopped after episode four, I believe. So again, if it's confusing, it's because Talking Dead makes no sense. <laughs> that's, that's, we'd... <laughs> I mean, seriously, like I half want to fill in for them when they're not, when they're shitting the bed like this. And honestly, a reaction video from a, a creator is not going to cut it. We, they need us. They need us. Yeah, I mean, just like Skidmark, Daniel Salazar has kind of had nine lives though. Shot in the face, uh, almost burnt in a fire. Talk about a foil for Morgan. Who better to take care of this place than Morgan at the moment? Somebody who can't die. My expectations were, were pretty low just because of the high we were riding the past two weeks. In my mind, I'm going, all right, it can't be up here again. It just can't. Don't go into it expecting this. Go in and, and expect something really slow and very, you know, maybe we're only going to cover a few hours, not push things forward a whole lot, but maybe focus more on one character. I just, I didn't have a lot of expectations is my point here. So watching it, obviously, I mean, it was, it was a surprise. There was still a lot of action and mystery and heartbreak. It was a really great episode. I was like this the whole time. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. What's going on? What's going on? We said this a little bit last week, but this week they held on, um, um, Ruben, when I was saying I could have, I could have got Grace, Grace killed, I could have got you killed. Oh man, that like, and his lip was quivering and everything. And you could tell, like, he could, he's he's feeling so helpless in this moment, and like, didn't want to admit it, but he had to admit it. He's like, I'm embarrassed, you know, and and but I have to admit it that I I, I can't and I can't and like I don't want to leave you, but I have to leave you, Charlie. It broke me when Morgan was questioning him, and and they were sort of figuring out like that something wasn't right. You know what I mean? And the look on Daniel's face during that scene. I, I, oh my, that whole scene just really got me. Like, yeah. are you, are you okay, man? You know, are you feeling okay? And just like, oh, it that, finally sinks in. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where Sharon is saying that it's confusing. It's confusing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Daniel's finally like realizing th that what he thought happened isn't what what is happening. The worst part about it is that like that the way he said, yeah, it's confusing is like halfway between I think I know the answer, but like then the other half is like somebody's trying to make me look real bad. Mm -hmm. That's what's like that perfect intonation of like where it's on that line as he's saying is like, it's confusing. Like, sorry, that it just I sometimes something is delivered almost like as if it's real mm -hmm. and like you can't fake that and yet it's acting congratulations ruben here's all <laughs> the awards here take them all this you know kind of goes back to the conversation that we had about seeing your dad cry the strong person just crumble in front of you and and they don't even realize it's happening like they're re they're just now realizing that it's happening and it's sinking in and not only that it's sinking in in front of an audience i mean first it was just Luciana and Dwight, then Wes comes up, then Rachel comes up, all these people come walking up, you know, and are witness to, to Daniel's embarrassment. One of the interesting things that happened during our live watch was, and, and I don't know if this happened with you, but like it happened to me as I was blabbering about, I was suspecting everybody. I suspected, and you know, forgive me, Sharon D., even I suspected Charlie at one point. Like, I suspected everybody. I thought of excuses to suspect, like, Rachel. I said Rachel. She had resting bitch face all the time. Yeah. <laughs> 
I no, but I the thing is I'm an equal opportunity suspector. I suspected everybody except for maybe Morgan. But thank God for biases. I would I would have suspected him too because again he was the only one with the with the keys to the freaking check. I was like live chatting with Charity as I was watching the episode because of course she had already watched it ten times. So I'm texting her during the episode. Right, you know who the first person I suspected was, and she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the rabbi what a yeah. shocker right what right. a shock two i'm pretty sure it was daniel made a comment about oh they 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 set off the explosions to trap us inside and i thought the only person outside right now is the it rabbi is. morgan and it right. ain't morgan so it must right. be the rabbi <laughs> <laughs> right right or it's daniel and, and morgan planning it out from the beginning yeah that's right again i suspected and again i didn't really suspect morgan whatever i didn't have that in my mind because i'm now i'm saying it because i'm trying to not be biased yeah i'm cool i'm cool no, i stand morgan sorry in advance sometimes it's unavoidable it just doesn't cross my mind okay that being said though but you just like me had basically ran through the list of everybody thinking pretty much god it could maybe even i don't know maybe be sarah even like that was like she the least she was the least on my list yeah. but even then like i'm her suspecting chuckles again brought, bringing back that nickname from season five of charlie even sarah allowing herself to suspect charlie got me thinking that oh if well, sarah suspects it you know of all people being with charlie like in the mrap and everything and convoy and all that oh god then what what makes me think that i can't suspect charlie now that we've established we're all we're all assholes but <laughs> The show wanted us to be assholes, totally wanted us to be assholes. And I have to give them a lot of credit, so much credit, because they designed this episode from Daniel Salazar's point of view, which was somebody here has done it, had to have done it. And after hearing the behind the scenes from Ian Goldberg and Andrew Chambliss talking about this episode, how they designed this episode, one of the things that I said about Huck's backstory, remember that whole backstory fiasco that we went through? Huck's backstory is fake about oh, her, yeah. her time in the Marine Corps? Right. Mm -hmm. One of the one of the things I said it cannot be fake is because not only was it only said out loud to us the audience yeah not to hope not to mm -hmm. anybody else but to us but it was said what interest would the show have in making up a backstory just for us not for campus colony not for not for Felix during the interrogation not for Will Campbell mm -hmm. not for anybody but just for herself. You can go as far as to say she needed to make herself believe something enough to invent some trauma, but that does not make any sense at all. It doesn't. You can't go that far down this rabbit hole in order to trick us, the audience. That First of all, that will make the audience revolt. That makes no sense. Why would you do that to us? Unless you can think of a, a way in narrative to say, sorry, audience. I mean, you can probably, but it, that doesn't make sense. That's like going way out of your way for nothing. Something that could be said in episode, like in two seconds. So going back to this episode, the reason why it actually works is because the excuse is this is from Daniel's point of view. So now the rules are all broken. This is the truth according to Daniel Salazar. And it, it's valid because he wants you to get con just as confused as he does by the end of the episode. And that's why it's so heartbreaking because you believe him. Because what is the whole point of me saying all of this, the world beyond thing, the Marine backstory, Daniel's thing is because you're supposed to believe it. And then when the facts belie that belief, you are just as helpless as he is by the end of it. And that's what makes it so heartbreaking. You take this journey with him. I love that use of storycraft. It sounds simple, right? It sounds so simple. 
There's no special effects. There's no wibbly wobbly like <laughs> there's none of that. It's right. it's the truth according to him that you get the point of view. What makes it even better? Better. Okay, like just just imagine this. You're taking the journey along with him. You are just as confused as he is when the truth is revealed. Okay, one more element makes this perfect. Throughout this episode, until you find out who he's talking to in the cell that you find out in the beginning of the episode, right? He's behind bars. Why is he behind bars? You have no idea. Did he go too far with Victor? Did he shoot him in the face in the end, right? This is what's going through. What bad yeah. thing did he do? What bad thing did Daniel do? Nothing. But... <laughs> But the fact is, when he's in that cell talking to the camera, he's talking to June, right? But this is the element that totally brings you in, is that he's talking to you. He's getting you to, to join him on this journey. Like, along with the cleverness of, again, and I mentioned this in the, in the recap, in the uh, live watch supercut, <laughs> I mentioned, like, the clever use of, you know, and then I'm in here, and then, like, it, sh it pulls back, and then it shows the intro sequence, like, the ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Such clever film work. I'm like, they've never done anything like that. Because that's fourth wall breaking oh he's talking to the audience right but not but he is and so he's engaging with you he's he's getting you sucked into what what happened what happened daniel what happened to you what did you do and then he's trying to get you to sympathize like up until the point where you figure it out he's getting you to sympathize with him like i i didn't know what was happening today was a good day i'm talking to you the audience it's hard to appreciate because it's so subtle and but it's all film work it's all story craft so becky and i actually did discuss some personal struggles that becky had with her father that made this even more emotional for her and it's the idea of that helplessness you know when you have a cognitive disability and i think that helps people relate at least to what daniel must be going through obviously in like a more palatable you know less gratuitous way what june mentions also is that this isn't like a neurological disorder so obviously it's psychological it's something that's in his mind betraying him like some sort of stressor or like ptsd could be part of what becky was telling me about was the testing that was done to diagnose and like you know it, it's it's heartbreaking because you see this stuff all the time and and if you have anybody in your life that is going through this you know it's check in on them because it's it's really rough for the people around that person too she's saying i remember my mom's as she began to realize she was losing her memory her mom when it started did well on the test but as it progressed the worse she got so and that's kind of what I want to talk talk about next is that uh, the test that they're administering right now, the CDT, the clock drawing test, and the Minicog test, these are two separate tests, but they're used in conjunction to rule out the cultural biases that some psychological tests have. Classically, most there are some fields, schools of thought that think the IQ test is geared towards, you know, more towards white European descent or what people who grew up in like the Americas or Europe. So similar to this, like they invented the CDT so that, you know, you're talking about time. Every culture has the concept of time and the you know the 60 minute clock and everything like that. so it eliminates a lot of the cultural barrier stuff so when people are meant to draw the clock drawing test it tests for cognitive impairment it, so the placement of the numbers requires visual and spatial acuity it also tests the subjects on numerical sequencing so like let's say they draw a 12 at the top and they draw a six on the right you know and then like a 12 at the bottom because it's administered mm -hmm. rapidly and also planning ability so like as they do the test you know is there a frustration level is there you know are they are they getting stuck somewhere you know where they have to take a minute to, to figure out what number goes next you know so all of that you're testing all of that at the 
same time. So simultaneously, the mini cog test, and that's the beach ball, elephant, uh, what was it, a grape? Grape. So they're told to remember something at the beginning of the test. They do the clock test, and then he says, so yeah, what were the three things I told you to specifically to remember earlier? Part of doing that in conjunction with the CT assesses long-term attention, obviously, uh, memory, and auditory processing. So let's say they hear it wrong the first time, and they spit it out weirdly the, the, at the last time. Like they do it fast, but they spit it out completely wrong. Uh, it also tests motor programming and frustration tolerance above all of this. So if they get frustrated, like, you know, because they can't remember, or if they get frustrated at all, if it's rapidly administered, it also, it kind of rules out dementia as well. But this is what Becky's talking about, is that what these tests are usually for are for patients that have heart failure or stroke. They try to test their, their cognitive and motor skills and spatial, visual, visual spatial learning to kind of test for dementia and, and Alzheimer's and stuff like that. You want to go in for better tests than this. If there's a suspicion that the patient ha may have dementia, you may want to go for better, more long-term testing. So Becky says, as a nurse, I've seen a lot of patients misdiagnosed with dementia who have just been hearing impaired. Yeah. And so that's what helps with that too. Having the minicog test does test a little bit for that. So auditory processing. That's what. That's why it's commonly administered together, just like June did in this episode. Therefore ruling out what we, I think all of us suspected was, oh yeah, that one too many knocks on the head from Virginia, administered by a nurse Virginia in the same, like remember, in the same spot, come on! <laughs> And man, and I, I really thought it was like some sort of, when you get, when you get too many um, bashes in the head, too many concussions that causes long-term memory loss. And you're talking about like what football players get. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. MMA fighters. CTE. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon D. Thank you. That's what it is. CTE. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. Thank you. You are the shit, Sharon D. You saved my bacon. You saved the Jews bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now we have to go to the psychology part of this. In the past, like we were mentioning before, burning down Celia's plantation, let's say, he's experienced this before. He references that moment, thank goodness, in this episode. Otherwise, we'd have to go back and like literally look at him burning the shit down with the flames in his, reflecting in his eyeballs mm. the whole time. That was scary and I loved it. But it, it is real. Like this guy had to infiltrate this as a double agent for the CIA and, and all this stuff. You're talking about a guy who's had this like crazy past where like you almost don't even know what side he's on. And then he comes to LA and just decides to raise a family. Just like that. I think that's the thing that really kills me about this episode is that like now that Daniel is compromised, we're, we're getting some sort of knowing which way is up sort of thing where you can't trust yourself in this world and it does kind of give us some echoes of john a little bit now i'm not saying daniel's on the chopping block or anything people just just give me a sec give me a sec but there are echoes of well now that this happened i don't know which way is up i don't know how to operate in the world knowing that this is a factor everybody's well, getting this weird awakening well the good thing is he has been through this before it's something that he knows he can overcome but when you're in that state though do do you really know no, though, right? And then we don't know how he did overcome it, right? We keep bringing this shit up. Like, things, like, we didn't see Sherry go through <laughs> when, yeah. where she's been, what she's been through. So half of us doesn't, don't, we don't care. Like, Sharon D can probably attest to that herself. <laughs> she said, literally before we came on, she says, fuck Sherry. End of, end, end of episode 131. <laughs> yeah. 
So Becky's bringing up, remember in season one how he flayed the guy's arm, the inside of the guy's arm, the army dude, mm -hmm. uh, to interrogate him? Yeah, with this barber tools. Seems like every character in the, the Walking Dead universe has these moments where they come to terms with things they've done to survive. <laughs> yeah, and so Sherry's repeating my review, fuck Sherry, the end. So just like John, Daniel doesn't know which way is up. Just like Sherry, we don't know how he recovered from his weirdness uh, after the fire. We thought he was dead, and then he shows up in, Sk in Skidmark, I think it is, yeah? The episode called Skidmark on season five. That's what the tape was called. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then mm -hmm. then you associate Skidmark, a thing, with Daniel, and it's kind of funny. So we didn't see that. So we know what happened. After, after, and then we don't know what happened after the dam. So we had that little in-between. Like, okay, what happened? We don't know. Is he still crazy? We don't know. Okay, another element there. And then we have the element of, well, is Daniel's subconscious doing the thing where he's creating a common enemy for them to rally around? I think so. But half of me is not sure about this question that I'm going to ask you right now. Is Daniel making himself the enemy subconsciously so that he could be found out? Not purposefully, obviously. Sharon and I talked about this at length and I want, every time I rewatched the episode, I wanted to see if I saw something that could um, trigger Daniel into his brain switching to this you know, protective mode. Of course, at the time I was still convinced someone actually set the dynamite off. If we believe that the dynamite explosion was an accident that itself could have been the trigger. That right there could have just shook Daniel's brain. And after that, right after the explosion is probably when he moved the guns. His actions were to protect everybody, but he obviously, he didn't know what he was doing. Like he didn't remember doing that. So I think he, I mean, obviously he really thought there was a spy. There was a traitor in the group. I mean, he thought it was Strand. I, I think his, I think the whole point was to try and get the weapons back because he did not remember moving them in his subconscious somewhere. I don't even think buried deep down he had any idea. He really thought he was fighting a threat. I had almost thought that he subconsciously invented the threat. But what you're saying makes so much more sense than what I was thinking. Like, planting the, the rock on top of this thing made this, oh. this thing. So I thought he did all of that. Okay. But, but I think for the sake of my own sanity, <laughs> I like what you're saying better, 100% better than what I was thinking. Because <laughs> like you said, it may well have been an accident. And then, that scene right after, sort of, when they started arguing and all that stuff, that scene right where Charlie sees him at the door where the guns are. She goes, yes. what, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'm checking the thing. But I saw a man who was just locking up. Yeah, I saw the same thing. And then making it so that he has to open it up again and show Charlie and himself, because he didn't know he did it, oh. that there are no weapons inside. And he's just as dumbfounded. Mm -hmm. okay. I'm glad you saw what I saw, at least, so that what you're saying makes way more sense than what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you're here because I was going insane. I was going a little crazy. And the reason why I say that is because of this one little nugget that Sharon mentioned that I was thinking also. It would be easy to, to be sus of Luciana slash maybe Wes. And that's because what's the first thing that Luciana picks up to start killing the walkers? Paint can. What are we talking about when we're talking about the end is the beginning people? Paint. Like there's no, Painting, there's no spray paint. Yeah, exactly. Now, I'm not ready to say Luciana's a traitor or anything like that. But then I started going <laughs> through the list of things in my mind of how that could be possible. One of the things Lucy says, like near the end of season five, is that we'll figure it out. You know, she submits to Ginny and submits to Tank Town. And she's there working, you know, cooking the gas with Wendell, I think, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, Lucy's isolated from the group for so long that after a mm -hmm. while, she may have formed some allegiances. Now, again, I'm not saying I like this. A, I don't. B, 
I don't even think I believe this, but I have to say it out loud because I have to be the asshole. Now, what's great about that is, okay, that sort of answers some sort of questions. It also makes it so that Ginny really did not suspect Luciana at all, which means she trusts her. She's been compliant this whole time. Maybe not. The thing is about Luciana is that the biggest criticism everybody seemed to have that did not like seasons four through five is a weak Luciana. Oh, I'm always injured, blah, blah, blah. Why am I still here? That feeling. Like, yeah. what is she? Get get her out of like Trump in a, <laughs> in a convention. Get him out of here. Get Luciana out of here. Everybody <laughs> was saying basically, oh, she's dead. She's next. But what if? <laughs> what if? Ch Chambliss and, and Goldberg were like, oh, you wanted her off the show. What about this? <laughs> what about this shit? Maybe. Yeah, I'm for it. I could definitely see it. My, the only thing I'm hung up on is the same thing that Hank, that, that I'm, I always get hung up on is why. W could we say that she feels resentful for for having been at Tanktown for so long? Is she resentful to towards the group? group? To, right, exactly. Ooh. That's what I'm like. That That's the piece that's missing for me. Like, I'm I'm all for Spy Lucy. I, I'm, I'm behind this 100%. <laughs> But I just need like I need a reason for her to turn on our group. Could it could it be as simple as that? You stuck me in Tanktown and sort of forgot about me, so screw all of you now. The reason why it sucks is because, like you said, we don't see that progression. If we get a flashback, that's kind of a cheap way out. My thing is, it, it's it's probably going to be explained in narrative, like in as things happen, she'll mm -hmm. backtrack with Alicia or whomever, Wes or whatever or found talking to John Glover's character, Teddy, off, like, oh, Alicia Bustin, oh, what's this? <laughs> you were my brother's boy girlfriend. What happened? I thought you were part of our family. I don't know. Whatever. I still don't like it. I don't like it personally. I'm not saying it would be, wouldn't be great narrative. But I also, like, there's a part of me that's just like, god damn, like, after the kids and all that, and, like, sacrificing herself at Tangtown only to be a person who resents the entire group for it. Well, like you just said, everybody's everybody's been screaming for Lucy to have more screen time, so here you go. Deal with it. Here you go. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. You asked and I, for it. And I think and I think that contingent of people would love that. I just I was never part of that. I, I liked Lucy through and through. I wanted her to have an episode, not uh -huh. to be like, oh fuck this girl, what is she doing? You know, like I wasn't one of those. I was like, okay, look, they'll find a way <laughs> someday. She got her little moment at the end of season five. She got a little bit of this in this in this season, you know, a little badassery. Sure, why not? And then Sharon D has to say something completely makes sensible. Uh she was easily swayed by Colonia, La Colonia back in season two the second half uh and then she says she's into cults you know because the, they were they were all about preserving the dead uh in that little circle protecting la colonia the the people who turned remember the I school bus was the bridge the doctor who runs la colonia was oh bit. okay i got yeah. it See, got it got it instantly get you to remember <laughs> But like he was, he was bit by a yeah, person. Okay. At the end, you find out. Okay. Yes. Yes. Spoiler okay. alert: We're in season six. It's season two, folks. You right. should know this shit by now. All right. uh, I just needed a refresher. <laughs> and then Charity has to go and say, maybe, yeah. maybe Teddy's giving her the D. Okay, listen, let's talk a little bit about that just for a second. Like, if it was John Glover giving me the D, I'd be like, I'm pro. I'm pro. He's a sexy goddamn man. Even with the, <laughs> the whatever crazy beard. I'm like, you know, take me now. <laughs> Going back to the actual act of picking up the paint can, 
you can easily say it's a little thing to get you to suspect her. And maybe that's it. That's it, folks. That's all. And the fact that her and Wes ride off together could be like, but maybe the whole thing, even when the truth is revealed, you're still kind of going afterwards like, but maybe, maybe it's not how, you know, like, right. Tell me I'm wrong. That like you were still kind of like thinking, but maybe this was an elaborate setup and he, Daniel got fucked over by the people he trusted most. I was thinking at one point, maybe they're all, this is how crazy I was getting. I said, maybe most, if not all of them are in on it. Like what would be, what, why wouldn't they want to get the one like whole conspiracy against Daniel? I know it's terrible <laughs> just to even think about, but like, right. <laughs> The biggest weapon in your arsenal is Daniel. Daniel is unkillable, is a killer, a torturer. He will fuck your shit up. What better way to get him out of there? Why would you want him out of there? You want if, that guy on your side. If you were the end is the beginning cult or whatever. Like, let's say you were all interested in Vic. I, I don't know. My brain was crazy. And I think I like it. <laughs> I like having that crazy brain it says that they did a good job with this thing yeah i'm still i still can't say for sure if the tnt explosion was an accident or not i'm still not sure about that you know the fact that you said it out loud just makes it make more sense it just makes so much more sense like first of all the how elaborate would have well, it have had to have been for it to be on purpose see it would be one thing if he didn't know that he locked away he hid the weapons it would be one thing if he mistakenly circled the wrong thing on the map and then said don't go instead of go do you know what i mean to the cat to the shack slash caverns but it would be a whole other level of what the fuck if he actually did the explosion these two things the the shack and the the hiding the weapons that makes sense in the realm of mm -hmm. psychological self-sabotage right mm -hmm. but the explosion is like a step way too far i can't even imagine like psych psychologically speaking subconsciously that he will he would want to hurt people because dude that sheet metal that came from that ceiling almost like hit those two people walking by and i'm thinking to myself there is no way even subconscious daniel because that, that's the square i had to circle at, at one point like even subconscious daniel deeply seated demolitions expert i that i think i could believe daniel subconsciously would even take the chance of hurting other people he, I, he would do it just for the shock and awe but he admitted letting the walkers in just to find out who who stole the weapons that to me seems more dangerous i think the explosion is more unpredictable than walkers though don't you think well i mean the the explosion was at least i well i mean you can't stop people from walking past or okay yeah first of all first of all i'm not i'm not saying daniel plant did the explosion whatsoever but if someone other than daniel did it well if oh. it's the end of the oh. beginning people they don't really then they don't care if daniel set off the explosions it's it's hard because i can't see like a, a grand view of the place but it seemed like it was in more of like an isolated area but see the thing is we know for a fact that daniel openly admits that he let the walkers in to test the which makes sense mm -hmm. i said it right out loud i was like oh it, the you name did. rhymes with yeah. spaniel yeah. yeah so yeah, you did and i was like that is that is a daniel move that is him embracing the old to weed out the new i don't know if it was daniel i don't know if it was an accident and actually i don't know if it was the end of the is the beginning people too right it seems harder for me to believe that it's daniel the more i think about it but one tick in that corner of it probably being Daniel is what he says in the beginning, which I need to kind of root out a little bit better when Strand basically admits that, you know, the better man won. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't know why I was, I got such satisfaction from him saying that. And at the same time, maybe that was the very thing that started that all off. Mm -hmm. Then he, either he had to keep it going in order 
to keep things up and running. Okay, so I, I had the same thought you did. It meant so much to him because he was already starting to lose it mentally and he forgot for a moment who he was talking to. And so a compliment felt felt good and, and he was just overlooking who, who it came from because the, you know, whatever was going on in his mind was already happening to him. But then I sort of nixed that because the explosion hadn't happened yet and I'm like, wait, no, that can't be. So he never really answers that though. But I think when he mentions it, it's already way after all these events happened. So he's saying that he appreciated that comment. Yeah. But this is the, when he's explaining it to June at the end of the episode. So maybe right. that's like, I could I could appreciate it then because I thought, I oh. thought that I had a, the run of my faculties, but little did I know I didn't. Right. You know what I mean? Like I could appreciate that now. Do you want to hear how crazy my brain went? Like you, you said your brain, you went crazy suspecting everybody. Yeah. I went completely off the deep end like i don't think this anymore but more than more than suspecting everybody against daniel yeah wow yeah okay ready okay, okay. so so <clears throat> we know i didn't know there was a know, level deeper than that <laughs> so we know daniel has military background right like mm -hmm. ops stuff like dark dark stuff okay so that is in his past okay <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is like embarrassing to admit out loud let me just i'm going to start out by saying i don't believe this anymore okay but these thoughts did at one point enter my mind, okay? I had thought at some point in the near past that we haven't seen yet, or maybe we won't see it, someone from the end of the beginning group met up with Daniel, got a hold of Daniel, and like brainwashed him into having these subconscious thoughts. And so when we saw this episode, it was Daniel. Daniel was doing all of these things because he was ordered to. He was like the sleeper cell in the group. And someone from the end and someone from the end is the beginning group like turned him on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you feel it's better my, now? Do you feel better my, now? It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think that far off from you. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember when I said in the live watch? maybe this is a level deeper than we ever imagined. Like I was saying something to the effect of maybe this is all like a super, super Daniel four. Like, yeah. What if he's even trying to fool June on this one? Right. He's given you his, his point of view mm. to kind of paint something that he, even he can believe mm. in order to fool June in the moment, which is why he's passing all the cognitive tests, which is why he's passing all the motor <laughs> tests. Here's the thing. I can still choose to believe that in a weird way because, again, the camera's showing you what happened from his point of view. Right. And if his point of view is deception, meaning to deceive the audience, again, I don't believe this. I don't believe <laughs> Daniel would make allegiances knowingly or not with the end as the beginning people. I don't think so. You don't see graffiti at Lawton. You don't see graffiti at the, what was the shack? The, the, nope. the firework shack? It is there now, though. That's what they were saying. It's there now. Yeah. It's, yeah. Now yeah. it's now. there. Right. Not but not before, which is right. key because what happens in that episode is, is Morgan even meets up with those people and just murks the shit out of those two people spraying the end of the beginning stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> at the beginning. So don't feel embarrassed. Because cool. again, I'm thinking crazy thoughts like I would never blame Charlie ever. I would never suspect her. But then I said, maybe. And then I said, maybe it's everybody being against him. And then I was thinking, oh, maybe Daniel is just playing three levels deeper psychologically speaking than I could ever imagine, which makes sense given the character. 
The yeah. guy was double dipping with the with his government, turning it turning the way, and then being a rebel, and then also being a rebel for the CIA. And it was just like, what the? I don't even know what's going on at all with him. His past confuses me even still. I just know that he had to be a lot of things, kind of like Morgan, sixteen different somebodies, whatever. And that was yeah. before the apocalypse. Morgan was sixteen after the apocalypse. I just like the parallel on that one. And then there's like, well, which one of those things was Daniel? Right? Was it all of them, or was it just the shack, or was it not the shack? Maybe. The shack was the end of the beginning people and everything else was all daniel so that is palatable more palatable to me or even the accident thing in the beginning with the explosion is more palatable to me all of it that being daniel makes me a little nervous but regardless of that let's put that aside what i want to bring it around to again is back to the end because it's clear that however this all shook out whether the beginning thing was an accident or not right the beginning explosion that maybe set things in motion but everything else that happens is definitely all daniel for sure right because they're verifiable. Daniel definitely hid the weapons away. Daniel definitely wrote the wrong thing on the map and said the wrong thing to Charlie and Grace. Those are verifiably incorrect mm -hmm. as per Daniel's face mouth. <laughs> okay. So when we get to the end, it's clear that Daniel is confused. It's clear that also Daniel subconsciously was trying to protect the group by hiding the weapons from an unknown threat that he doesn't even know about or that he's inventing for them to either rally together or root out each other or kind of to, trying to get them to turn on each other or at least figure out who is not really invested. When clearly it seems like by the end of this thing, even though they're kind of burnt out on Daniel and burnt out on this place, there's this glimmer that once the audience comes in and tries to figure out what's going on with Daniel and seeing a man fall apart. What was once a situation where maybe they could have rallied to fight a common enemy. It seemed like by the end of it, even though it did kind of fizzle out, they were rallying together for a common friend. And that turned everything around for me. That was something I didn't expect. I saw everybody kind of be uncomfortable and feeling terrible for this one man who's clearly been through a lot. And it turned the common enemy nar narrative on its head. It's like, you don't need to have a common enemy me to get together. You just need to see the pain of one man and say, how are you doing? Is, is everything okay? When I watched it the second time around, I was like, it took everything I thought we needed to get together. Like everything I'd been saying about Ginny, right? Like Ginny, we're going to all get together and Ginny's going to help out and fight the end <laughs> of the beginning. Because, and part of what helped me kind of get to that road by saying, oh, wait, this is kind of that season five, season four shit. Like, oh, the impossible is possible. Like, okay, mm. we can rally, we can, we can rally around one man who's having a hard time, having a crisis, crisis of health, mental health. And we can rally behind him so that we can get together behind him. Now, maybe, you know, the battle was lost but the but they won the war kind of thing like maybe today's battle was lost but after everything that's happened it makes Victor taking him on a little bit sweeter, even though I have more to say about that. But having Victor say, even in spite of everything, and we, we'll talk more about Victor a little later, but even having Victor take, let's say, responsibility over Daniel, saying, I have been responsible for what happened to you seasons ago. You can tell. He says, oh, it's I'm not doing this for me. He says that. And, and when Daniel comes in and checks on him, just after he was about to shoot him in the fucking face, you see Victor crying by the window. He's wiping off tears from his face. Maybe because he was almost dying. Fine, I'll take that. But I know that Victor has to be a certain way in order to survive in this world. Or to survive, period. You're talking about a man who's had to be a certain way so people can never get close enough to, to tell, for them to be able to tell what he's really feeling. Because if for one second he can't put on a face, that's when he loses the con. AKA life, that veneer, that narcissism.
cataclysm that makes him grandiose, right? And so when when he comes in, Daniel catches him crying by the thing, and he's like, "Why do you care about this place?" So he turns it around on him. He's like, "Why do you care? You hate half the people here, and you know, and you can barely stand the people that you can stand. You can't stand the rest of them." So I I, I see Victor clearly, clearly, like as much as we suspect him, as much, and we did. We all were happy. Again, they all were happy, and we all were happy when we suspected. We did. We were. I mean, part of me was just like, who's helping Strand? Because Strand is obviously the one, right? He had the gun, right? He had the gun. We suspected him for last episode. Like, ha! That whole shit. <laughs> ha! I felt he was too obvious this time. But, yes. But at the same time, like, part of you is just kind of like, oh, yeah. Yeah, but who else? <laughs> Who else was in this shit? The first person that I thought was Sherry, honestly. Yeah. Sherry and Riley. And what was the thing that got you to like, oh, it's definitely her. Where she stops Daniel from searching their tents, flips the script and tries to blame Grace and Charlie. Fuck you, Sherry. It doesn't make sense. But, oh yeah, why are you blaming them? Well, as soon as... Why are you blaming the pregnant lady and the kid? Well, when Daniel says, you know, search their stuff and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, oh, you're guilty. I shouldn't even have to... I don't even care what she said after that. Like, if you have nothing to hide, show your show your shit like it's that simple but it's funny that's the easy way out though too like and i was just like oh what's that why why she's why say i said that too but then Mm -hmm. after i i was done watching the episode even sarah is ready to throw charlie under the bus see i and that's very important man that's really really important like we're so easily i didn't see that you didn't see it she said maybe chuckles is working no i heard no i i heard the line that's just not what i took from it she said wasn't it chuckles not too long ago playing for the other side she was just reminding everybody that charlie had once been on 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 the opposite side i i didn't i mean the other side of where you are now what what yeah like (laughs) i didn't (laughs) i guess i didn't see sarah and maybe i'm a little biased but i didn't see sarah throwing charlie under the bus because that's literally what i was saying I just saw her saying like, well, guys, remember, you know, we, you know, we trust her now, but she was once on the other side too. So it really could be anybody. That's how I took it. That's how you took it? You're saying that Sarah was defending Sherry kind of in a way? Like she's just reminding the group, like at some point in the near past, well, I guess in the apocalypse, it was a decade, a decade ago, right? (laughs) At one point, Charlie was on the bad guy's side. You know, let's not forget that. Let's not forget that this can happen. I, I think I know what you're saying. You're you're trying to say that we've all done something. Is that what you're trying to say? Like even even Charlie's gone to the other side. Like we've all been like look at Sarah. Like this is what this is the thing. We've all done something, and it's easy to forget that even Sarah was an asshole. Sarah yeah. like conned. It was like oh yeah yeah we know polar bear yeah like Morgan yeah. yeah and then they leave him stranded at the top of a car ready to, ready to get him to die taking Jimbo and his beer recipe with Wendell and going off to the sun. Yeah, they've all been assholes. And also not in the in the distant past, too. Actually, in fact, Sarah was sooner than Chuckles. <laughs> like you do not if you're talking about the time jumps yeah. that they were having before. Sarah wasn't even around when when Charlie made the was, switch. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Becky's saying another Sherry tidbit she lived through Negan and the slick and devious. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean and that's what I attributed her suspecting Grace and Charlie to. Like 
thing is, you have to take it all into account. They've all been motherfucking. I was going to even say to myself, what did Sarah do? And then I completely forgot. I didn't even put in my notes. Like, what did Luciana do? Well, Luciana was working for a cult, essentially. Like, <laughs> easily swayed. I don't, not easily swayed, but like, fighter that fought for a cause, but with bad intentions. They've all done something. Wes was kind of an asshole when we first met him. Almost didn't care about, like, Alicia slash Strand dying, etc. Or, or Mitch. And then, uh, of course, Dakota. Right. We can't. That's like low hanging fruit. <laughs> What are you going to say, right? <laughs> Becky, Becky says, plot twist, the traitor's grace. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would really not see that coming. That would definitely blow my mind. <laughs> Grace's baby is the spy. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 I've got it. What if Grace's baby is Madison? <laughs> No, it's That's a boy. It. It's a boy. Uh, her feeling? No. <laughs> Madison. The whole point is that how great this episode was, was that it got you to think of everybody. It got it totally got you to think of everybody. Even if you didn't want to admit it, too. You feel embarrassed admitting all the crazy theories you thought of. Meanwhile, it was just Daniel. I was thinking, like, okay, what does Samuels have to say about this? Because we didn't really see her as much in this episode. Again, that's probably a COVID thing. I have no idea. She wasn't even on screen. So, like, what is the deal? And here's the thing. It may still have been but i don't want to throw you guys into like for a loop but you don't see her throughout all of this stuff making back channel moves because there's a part of me like as much as i was heartened to see victor take daniel in it was that part of me that even though that was so heartwarming to see somebody go i'm taking responsibility for this man who is helpless and maybe that connects you to the thing that he says i've never been so satisfied to hear somebody admit to me a con acknowledging a con that you know the better man won that maybe that connects that to the to the end i'm all for it. My heart was pounding Super Strand 4, going past the whole trying to be another Ginny. That thing warmed my heart. But after that, I started thinking to myself, two things. One, it could have been Strand all along anyway. Which is the easy sort of like, eh, with Strand all along. You know, like that sort of, like, eh, yeah, solved for X. X yeah. equals Strand. That's like everybody, easy Yeah, everybody would expect that. <laughs> Meanwhile, Sharon is saying, I wanted Daniel to shoot him in the face. Yeah, that moment right when Daniel's about to pull the trigger, too. The look on Ruben's face. It's <sighs> over. It's over. Oh, he had already pulled the trigger. He had already right. pulled it. And he might as well have. And, and the whole point of it was saying, oh, you can survive a shot to the face. I mm -hmm. did. And Daniel explaining that whole thing, like taking out the, the, the prosthetic. Ma the magical prosthetic piece that he just manifested out of nowhere. <laughs> well, again, it's... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm for it. The only reason why I'm for it is because it's been a long time. You don't know who he's been with. He had a friend in the warehouse. The warehouse was stocked with all these wonderful things. I don't know. I'm okay. Everybody, everybody had a comment about that. I'm like, just, just. Let it go. Let it go. It's fine. It's fine. It's been many years since the dam. Many years. I'm sure he figured it out. Anyway, him saying the wincing while drinking a glass of water, the whole eating soup for life, wheezing while breathing and while sleeping, never forgetting the person who did this to you. That shit's real. Mm -hmm. Hiding yeah, the pain that, when you talk. And he's ready. And he's in this psychological state where he's just like, I don't know what's going on, but it has to be you. You've outdone me for the last time. And the, it's like the very compliment that he gave him in the beginning of the episode was the very thing that made him so mad that he appreciated it so much it's like why did i appreciate that comment so much at the time it's the very thing that makes him so mad at the end you know i thought this was over it's not over is it it's what makes what happens at the end the gesture that victor takes on and makes possible for him to take care of him to do all this stuff makes it so heartwarming it actually like it, it just like almost broke me to Does see any that. do you trust victor with daniel i don't okay so the second that happened after that i let i let the i let the good feelings wash off <laughs> And, and then all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> 
Now wait. Yeah. Now, so what was I saying just a second ago? I said the easiest thing to go is X. And I was strand all along. That is so lazy thinking. So lazy thinking. I'm gonna go ahead and say, just for now, I'm gonna assume everything that happened happened. It's Daniel having a memory problem, having psycho. Because okay, the reason why it has to be, and it has to be, is because why would they put us through all of this to feel something for Daniel in the way that we do? Only to say, haha, we fooled you. That's it's too much. It has to be real. Yeah. It has to it has to mean something. We have to connect to this character in a way that that makes us believe that this is part of the narrative that makes up the entire season. Otherwise, the whole just fooling me thing just for shock and awe and trying to get you to, to go down a rabbit hole only to be completely fooled at the end. There's only so much cruelty that you can put on an audience before they pull out. It's kind of what they did in season seven, season eight. People did check out. They checked out. You don't want to do that. Okay, but going back, the more complex -ish situation for the end, Victor taking on is okay i have him right where i want him mm -hmm. he is he is vulnerable and now i have a problem which is the end of the beginning people i gotta mind the store with what better shop owner than daniel like what better security guard who's there for daniel daniel ha daniel has no you know support of his own except strand strand is gonna get him through this crisis i don't think so here's where i land on this and it's a very iffy but better outcome one of the things that daniel says in the episode is part of what i was doing was was trying to raise Ophelia in an environment that she deserved, to be the father that she deserved. But in the end, I couldn't be the whole person that I wanted to be. I pretended to be somebody I wasn't. I lied to her. I kept things from her, which, look, you, me, and the wall would do for our nieces, nephews, sons anyway. Like, we wouldn't tell them everything. Why would we tell them everything? Maybe when they're old enough, who knows? Ophelia was clearly old enough. Who knows? But even a part of me was saying, okay, maybe. Let's go with that. And he said, in here, I could be the man I was meant to be. I could tell the story stories that of my past I could tell everything it's over now what am I holding these intelligence secrets for I could tell everybody about everything all the horrible things I've done because we've all done something horrible I could be all of me because clearly part of the psychological problems that he was having in the the plantation was his past coming back to to, to grab him again like all the things that were happening in the in the um, plantation let's say Celia's plantation like the gunshots going off in the middle of the night the, the nightmares they were just triggering his PTSD and it was making making go down a path in his mind that he couldn't get out of this this kind of reliving that they're losing Griselda like from the first ep well I'm not the first episode but the season one all that was triggering he says something about being whole like being himself then I was trying to think what does that look like what does that look like can he truly be himself in this place where you can't murder people and you can't you can't do a lot of things that he used to do. And then I was thinking, Victor's offer to go to Lawton would give him that opportunity to just be whatever he's meant to be. No restrictions, no boundaries. He can make himself up to be the kind of man he wants to be. A little bit of this, little column A, little column B, but in the meantime, it does make us want to go back to the song, Handle With Care. I do think Victor is genuinely not only giving him a place where he can be cared for with, I'm sure, a way better non-self-centered ranger community than Ginny's. Like, I think even Ginny's rangers was, were kind of like, there were really no consequences for us. We could do whatever the fuck we wanted. At least, kind of like Dakota, we wanted to live in a world where there were consequences for our actions. Like, okay, not just like trying to take control over things or not trying to deceive Ginny. No, like, if we do something wrong, we'll be held accountable. We got Samuels for that, right? She looks like somebody that could take charge, right? 
<laughs> what do I mean by this? So Daniel can live in a world with rules, with consequences, but also in a world where he has some sort of authority. He can be an enforcer. He can be that guy if he needs to be. You know, whereas in the dam, he can't be all of him himself. That's why, like, I think him going to Lawton allows him to be the man that he, he could be, let's say for Charlie, right? But he could also be that, that part of him that is allowed to at least take some sort of windy road into like a maybe it's a torture maybe it's somebody who's a security person maybe it's somebody who tries to figure out plans like somebody who's tactical maybe it's somebody who kills people but it could be he could be all of himself or is it the damn i don't think he could be i don't think he can explore the totality of himself i don't see why one place is different than the other one one place has people you know and love the other doesn't but... yes i i feel that too <laughs> i was like almost in tears when charlie was in tears trying to say goodbye to him i was yeah. too i get that he he realizes that he's dangerous right now too he's he is a risk for those people that he loves and cares about to be around because he can't trust himself he can't trust his mind right now so you know what i you know what i'm gonna switch i, I do agree lawton is the best place for him because if he's gonna burn someplace down let it be lawton <laughs> but but hold on now we have to go back to Victor's intentions. What do you think of them? I think Strand's intentions are always the same in any situation, and it is self-preservation for his own survival. As much hints as we may be fed by the showrunners that we should think that he's a super fucking asshole, and even I've yelled out, fuck you, Strand. I've said that. That Remember? What's, what's, the, what's the rule? Trust your feelings, but don't go with your first instinct. Your feelings may say at the moment, screaming at you, saying, dude, punch him in the face. Punch Strand in the face. <laughs> Shoot him in the face, right, Sharon D? Yeah. But don't trust it because what you're feeling right now is what they want you to feel. They want you to not trust Strand, even at the end of this episode. <laughs> I've never trusted Strand. This right. episode didn't do anything for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think his interactions with Alicia tell me he's a man who's struggling to find the right path to be for his friends. To show you, I'm not doing this because of myself. I'm trying to do this for you, Alicia. He says this verbatim. I'm doing this for you, Alicia. He wants to be better, but can he? Is it in his nature? No, I don't believe it is. He's the scorpion. I we rots welcome to the club. I see him have this uh, like near emotional breakdown, trying to struggle with letting Alicia down and saying, I have to do this my way. I'm doing it for you. You know, so I, I have this thing where like and his way remind us again what his way is even if but even if it's even if it's his way it's for alicia it's for her or for us but, re but remind us again what what was his way oh the, oh, oh right killing someone else yeah to do that oh yeah yeah that's right that's strand's way okay wait wait let me turn this logic around on you what was the thing that you said to me last week oh was he the symbol of hope he wasn't in our group yeah strand would say the same thing i'm just saying it could you're being like him is emblematic of like, oh, we shouldn't trust our first instinct. It could be that Strand is just doing this for Alicia, but it seems more likely that he's doing this for everybody, but he's just doing it his way because he thinks his way is the best way. And that just well, makes- yeah. I mean, yeah. I think most I mean, no people would, he would thinks think his way is the best way. Yeah. It's just, it's yeah. just what is the end game, right? I, I'm going to still be in the camp that he's doing this for everybody, but he's doing it his way. And look, that never ends well. What did we say about Carol? Your way or the highway is not usually a good way look it gets the job done maybe right but are we are we willing to give strand the same leeway we give carol uh, no however he's doing the same thing we haven't known strand as long as we've known carol either so there's there's a little bit of that but i mm. just i look i you know if strand does something selfless i think it might be the last thing he ever does i think he's gonna be on the show for a long time unless I'm it's the one thing necessary feeling. to keep alicia on the show that's what i think because he's proven he's done that before 
Well, Sharon and I have been talking a lot about how busy Coleman is in life. Like, oh, come on. He's very busy and got a lot going on, so. But, but remember, we said that about Rosita, too. And we were dead wrong. So wrong. She did not end up on the pike. She didn't die in season 10, although she may, may as well have been. <laughs> Like, by the end of it, you know? We didn't see a lick of her. She got injured, <laughs> and she never showed up again. That just goes to show that we can't trust ourselves when it comes to the careers that the actors have. Right. You literally can't trust that. <laughs> At all. I think we've been wrong multiple times when we've tried to do this. Except for one, but then we didn't even suspect that she was going to leave the show. It was Brianna Venskis. Like, oh. like Oh, she's right. awfully busy. He's been awfully, and she was always awfully busy. Agents of Shield, she's always doing Walking something. Dead, yeah. Supergirl, and we're like, yep. oh yeah, so that seems pretty normal for her. Like, and meanwhile, oh, come she on, she was she was on Good Trouble. She was on that's the, four. The L word, I think five. Yeah, uh, so. I know, I know. There's, I know, there's at least a couple I'm forgetting. I know it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So don't go by that rule. That's not a good rule. It's a terrible <laughs> rule. Look at Kari Payton. Oh man, how many how many actors is he voicing? Twenty has he voiced? <laughs> On yeah. on on the, on Invincible alone, which is an incredible incredible animated series, he's like doing three voices alone. So oh my gosh, he still manages to film The Walking Dead. <laughs> so Becky is actually admitting Strand uh, Strand is trying to relieve his guilty conscience of it. That's that's the thing I'm struggling with this episode. I'm seeing a Strand not ready to admit out loud that he is taking responsibility for his actions, but I'm also okay with admitting that he may be using Daniel for his own plan. Hands, let's say his own mm -hmm. machinations mm -hmm. but i will be open to admitting that even though he is partially using daniel for his own machinations i am willing to concede a little bit that maybe it's the best for both of them maybe daniel having something to do where he can trust himself to keep people safe in an active brain doing actual real plans to not sabotage themselves but to sabotage others is a good thing for daniel to have something to do yeah i mean it may not solve the problem but it channels that settledness that june mentions this is what i was trying to say before instead of feeling settled he has something to do and in the meantime june can still visit him and say you know we're going to try and exercise we're going to have you not do something for like two hours and see how you do <laughs> you know like that, that's all you know what i'm saying like she yeah, can read up yeah. more on on how to treat him on an active level and it may even be closer for her to get to if sarah is with june it seems you know and then they can go together to visit daniel and they get there real fast if sherry would give up the mrap i think that's what make, made sherry the most upset is because she is not the reason gas is the reason it seems that they can't see each other but the only working vehicle it seems or the the one that seems to be most active and most terrain worthy is the mrap and that's why wendell can't make it to morgan's dam it seems and so becky even says daniel probably established friends in lawton when he was being his own stylist mm, that could be true but they were built on they were built, kind of built on a lie so yeah. yeah i don't know that might play into it though by the way so there might be some cool he, he's gonna have like, to go back to lawton and be like <laughs> just kidding guys <laughs> Editor's note. What happened right after this moment was we went into a 26 minute rant about basically what to do with Dakota. It was a very heated conversation, a very confrontational one, but one that at least reached some sort of logical conclusion. That being said, it didn't fit the overall context of what we were speaking about this entire episode. And I, I realized that we often go into some tangents here and there on the show, but most times we'll find our way back. This was the kind of tangent that really took us out of the episode 
episode entirely. The things that we were talking about in terms of Dakota, the feelings towards Dakota, what was and wasn't done, what is continuing to be done with her on the show, just didn't fit what we were talking about in, in terms of the context of the episode. I will, however, release the content after this episode premieres. I'll do a small episode following up with this episode 132. I am no stranger to a two hour plus episode. And at some point I just had to stop and say, this feels like it could be its own little topic of conversation that kind of makes sense in its own encapsulated episode. So without further ado, please enjoy the rest of the episode and away we go. On a lighter note, hey Rabbi, it's kosher. <laughs> to catch that? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I got such just like a little tickle in my belly. Because <laughs> yeah. it's the joy. That's the thing that really got me. It's like in that little laugh at the end. <laughs> like, it's like, this is the best day of Daniel's life. I mean, outside of having a daughter that's alive. <laughs> so, aw. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so when something's kosher it's it's been blessed by a rabbi correct is there more to it than that that's more of a halal thing kosher i can go through that again we did a little bit of that in near tamid i thought he's a rabbi isn't everything they eat kosher he could bless it all was my that was my sad attempt at a joke sorry it failed and flopped <laughs> the real answer is that it's way too complicated to, to talk about in a single podcast there's like different levels of, of observance and do you have meat plates where you See, only I... eat meat? Do you have dairy plates where you only eat dairy? You know, like that's a high level of co kosher where you can't put meat and dairy in the same plate. You can't have, and then the plates that you reserve for meat only and dairy only, and dairy would be dairy, vegetarian, whatever. See, I'm, I'm just, it doesn't go through. It doesn't go through. It takes years of yeshiva study. What does is, what is Daniel know? Okay, it's a, it's a vegetarian tomato soup. I think we're okay. <laughs> also, I was thinking about this, by the way, because now that we're here, who cares? Because here's the thing. Jews have this interesting thing where if it's called pikuach nefesh, meaning if your life is in danger, all bets are off. You don't even have to keep the Sabbath. And the Sabbath is a big one. You'd think the kosher thing is pretty big. It's not big. That's a small thing. That's a lifestyle choice. Sabbath is holy. If it can't, and we, uh, me and my dad just talked about this. If it comes down to respecting your parents and keeping the Sabbath, the Sabbath wins. And it's the only time the Sabbath wins. <laughs> you can, if your parents tell you to not keep the Sabbath, you can tell your parents, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Sharon remembers the, the whole Kashrut conversation near Tamid. It's it was a lot though. We were talking about candy wrappers. Remember the, the circle K that you would see on the candy wrappers? N noting that it was certified? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. You want a shortcut to the meat conversation? The animal has to die painlessly. And there's a specific guideline on how that animal has to be slaughtered. Slaughter is such a weird word. It's like painlessly euthanized. And the way, according to the Torah, is a sharp knife with no nicks and just cutting the the vein or the artery yeah the artery going to the to the brain so that they don't feel they don't oh. feel the pain and then they bleed out and that's it they don't feel any of it that's the rule if there's nicks in the blade that means you tore that means they felt that tear that means you can't even eat it even if you do it wrong you can't eat it because the whole point is that the animal cannot suffer Sharon he says it perfectly the Game of Thrones quote if the lamb sees the knife fear taints the meat Daniel clearly has PTSD a lot of what happens with Daniel in this episode bottom line 
is something that we've said about other characters as well. In some ways, John recreates the circumstances with which he could do it better this time around. What do I mean by that? John is trying to be a cop in Lawton, trying to just do good, trying to tell people, give people a sense of which way is up. And even himself. Okay, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can figure this out. Just like June does. And she does. You know, she's working for the hospital, etc. Doing it better. When John doesn't figure it out, <laughs> it all goes wrong. It's the same thing with Ed Gain. Ed Gain was trying to recreate the circumstances by w with which he could save his daughter again in Alicia and Charlie, right? It all goes to pot, but he gives them a warning. Don't do what I did. Sherry is doing this a little bit too, with a replacement Negan. And now that Negan is gone, you can clearly see Sherry's trying to recreate the circumstances where she can save everybody from a Negan. Daniel, throughout this episode, is trying to think of a way he can recreate the circumstances with which he can solve a problem. To be a complete Daniel is a weird mystery to him because he doesn't know how to be that person, a whole Daniel, without taking in elements from his, his past, those darker elements, but trying to do it for the people he loves. So what does he do? He invents an enemy, himself. If he turns the guns all on him, subconsciously, he can make up for all the shitty, horrible, nightmarish things he must have done. The things that may have ultimately made it impossible for him to connect with Ophelia before she died. I deserve this, he says at the end. So in, in the process of maybe trying to recreate a situ situation where he can maybe solve it, in the end, he despairs and he says, I got what I deserved. Because at the same time, it goes back to the final question that everybody here, everybody that I listed, Ed, John, uh, Sherry, and even Alicia with Charlie, possibly taking Charlie back to the dime, recreating the circumstances with, with which we could do it better. Maybe. Second chances, right? But second chances that don't really exist. Daniel says, the question is asked, who are you now, now that you've gotten everything that you want? Daniel, he feels like he, he's having the good day. Rabbi, it's kosher. The better man won. He sees Grace's baby, reminds him of Ophelia. Like, yes, maybe these things set him off too. He's having a hard time dealing with the man that he's seeing right now. And also, who am I that man without Griselda and Ophelia? Who am I now without those people? I don't know who I am and it scares me. Am I that man with Charlie? Can I possibly deserve love after everything I've been through? All the lies that I had to tell the people I love, even Charlie, you know, trying to play... Uh, was at the end of the line, uh, Traveling Wilburys, I had to lie to her face. Are you a friend of Ophelia's? This is the aftershock. This is the thing that Carol asks Daryl. The world will, ca will catch up with us eventually, right? Is this what's happening to Daniel? Is all the things kind of like now that the dust is settled? Have you ever taken a road trip that's taken, like you're literally driving for like more than three days, two days maybe. Like all you're doing is pit stops, maybe getting a bite to eat at a diner. All the longest I've driven was 24 hours. I can tell you this, even in a, in a comfy, not like, you know, economy car, like it's like a Camry, right? I've taken trips that have lasted days, three days, you know, three and a half days, four straight on the road. You're sleeping, your friend's driving, you're driving, your friend's sleeping. Finally got to the end and I'm settling in bed and you're like, oh, it's a quiet moment. I could pass out. I can go to sleep. I can't. Why? My body's vibrating. It's the road. It's still in me. I can't, I can't settle because I'm still feeling, feeling the road through my fingertips and it just takes forever. And this is Daniel right now. He's ridden this road for so long. This is after all the shit he's done pre-apocalypse. Setting himself on fire. <laughs> getting shot in the face, being in isolation undoubtedly for a while, finding people to care about, having to lie after being hit in the head, taking the Lawton for several months, trying to be somebody who, who he wasn't. And I don't know how long that's been. I don't know what the effects are. I have no idea. What does it take for somebody to lie to everybody for so long? That's hard. So who are you now that you've gotten everything you wanted, but after you had to do so much to get there? And I get it. I get it. Sharon <laughs> says, sea legs. That's exactly what I'm talking about. She mentioned sea legs. I get sea legs. 
if I've, I've taken a cruise once and holy shit, if I don't get, I still have sea legs for a week plus where my equilibrium is doing this and I'm walking straight, but I feel funny because I feel like I need to compensate for the boat. <laughs> And I'm like that for like a long time after I've been on land. So she says, when you've been on the water for so long, when you get back on land, you can't stand straight because you still feel the waves under you. Yeah. I spent two weeks on my dad's 32 foot sailboat. Oh my God. That must've been horrible getting back on land. You won't catch me on a boat, period. I don't do boats. Oh, I don't get on like boats. A phobia? Yeah. Oh, getting to know you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I like being on sea. My cousin lie. and my uncle died on a fishing boat, so I don't step foot on boats. I tried at getting on a boat after that, and I had a complete freak out and panic attack, and I've never stepped foot on a boat since. I take that back. I did get on a ferry that goes up and down our river here called the Princess Winona, and, and I did get on that. So my, my rule with boats is I have to see land. If I can't swim to shore when the boat eventually goes down, because that's where my head is, we're sinking. We're going to you know sink. What? You know so I have to be able to swim to land. I can see, I can see you working up, <laughs> but the kudos to you—you you did it. Yeah, you did it when you said you wouldn't do it and had a freak out the first time, but you did it again. Yeah, yeah. good for you. That's tough, man. And that was. 15 years ago? You know, I think you could do it again. I'm not saying go harder. I don't. <laughs> like say, no, let's Eric, not throw you into the deep end metaphorically. No, no. Eric's talking about cruises and stuff and I'm like, oh hell no, that's never going to happen. <laughs> you will never get me on a cruise. Well, never. see, but Sharon, Sharon has a good idea for you. She said, we were in the Keys sailing from island to island. It wouldn't be too bad. You'd be like but near can you, the... Can you see the land? That's that's I mean, my that's my deal breaker. Yeah, she says always... see it. Always inside of land. So maybe that's the next step maybe like the next you know visual aid maybe let's let's, let's beat I, this motherfucker <laughs> i told eric if if he were to ever get me on a cruise the only one he could ever convince me to go on is the walker walking dead cruise really that's interesting I'm I mean, how could I say no to that? <laughs> and you know what? You'd be so distracted, it wouldn't even occur to you. I, and you know what the funny thing is about a cruise ship? It doesn't feel like well, you're then I on would, a boat. Then I would feel bad, though, because because I'm on the boat, it would it would crash and, and sink and everyone would because die. Because of you? Because I'm on it, yes. Okay, I'm glad you just said it out loud, at least, because you know how crazy it sounds. Bad luck <laughs> follows me everywhere. Not in this podcast. Sharon just says, okay, June. <laughs> But I can safely say that this podcast has only gotten better with you on it. <laughs> Wholeheartedly. Like, uh, uh, five times the numbers. So, yeah, I'm going to say that, yeah, a lot of that's you. So, there you go. Uh, okay. Sharon, he says so true. It has to be right. She also said kill Dakota, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. We'll take this, a little combat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a rock star. <laughs> she says again, so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she says, you know, don't trust me. I mean, it's what I want, but hey, listen, I'm just a, I'm just here in the corners yelling at, the, at Squawking Dead for the things, things to happen. Uh, thank you. Thanks, Becky. Yeah, she says, I just got here, but I agree this is a great podcast. Shout out to Sharon. He's like, I'm shouting to the void. Just somebody listen to me. Kill Dakota. Kill Dakota. Uh, oh, hey, on that note, singing, uh, we just... <laughs> If you don't mind, you should watch Sharendy's farewell, fare thee well, Colby video on Instagram. Oh yeah, I was supposed to share that today, and I totally forgot. We will link to that to the. You did it in the story, so that's good. Head over to the link in our blog because you know it's not usually in the description anyway. All of our extended links are in the blog, so when the blog comes out, you have all the links, all the nice little pictures that we show you in the during the episode. 
Uh, we'll link to it in the blog. It's a very nice IGTV video of a compilation that both Rachel and I did for Colby's farewell from the show as she was brilliant. And we <laughs> just wanted to let her know that yes. she will be missed. And it is incredible. It is awesome. And we all have that Sharon to thank for it. So oh check that out. Yeah. Sharon's Instagram is at B-L-A-Z-Y-G-A-R-D-E-N-E-R on Instagram. Check it out. <laughs> Oh, and, you know, as a little bonus, and this is kind of like a season one callback, maybe his subconscious is trying to recreate the conditions that the army kept everybody sequestered in their neighborhoods, you know, trying to manage mm. everybody, oh. you know, mm -hmm. but also in order to kind of recreate the circumstances that kept Ophelia and well, didn't really keep them safe, <laughs> but in downtown LA, trying to recreate those conditions, the army did so that like, oh, everybody locked down, everybody locked down. <laughs> We'll figure this out. You said you said something about I rolled my eyes when Morgan put the bow axe in the front door because says you're just gonna need in a half hour, right? <laughs> and, and so I literally wrote in my notes. June was like mentioning how oh I'll listen. Don't worry, Morgan. I know I broke the rules. I like you know kind of signaling. Don't worry. I'll go out the same way I came in. I won't be tricky about it. <laughs> like, like but it's just yeah like a badass who'll come in and out the door. And then I said but maybe it's a signal that we can't be as tough on the rules. Like Morgan has the one rule. But then I was thinking like but everybody's done something just because june crossed the line this time doesn't mean that everybody in this whole entire group hasn't crossed the line many times i said rachel may be right about the bow except doors maybe he should pick it up it's like just just you know just you're letting june in who broke the one rule anyway so you know we're, so, we're making exceptions for her so like, why not everybody else furthermore it's just like hanging out there in front of everything like Anybody could just come take it. And that's like the worst part is that like, I think Morgan would be stupid enough to say, let him either let him try or like, yeah, good riddance. I don't want like, to have to be that man anyway. It's only a yeah. matter of time, right? Before the end is the beginning comes and tags the dam. So one of these guys are going to be like, oh, cool new weapon, gank. Or maybe it's like a warning. I don't know. I have no idea. But again, this this place was never supposed to be really found. The end is the beginning. People don't really still know where the place is yet. But now they might because of the explosion. But they're mm -hmm. not really supposed to find it. That was the beauty about the place. His shit attitude towards her is going to make it worse. I don't think Morgan's acting shitty. Or June? Think, no, I mean, Morgan's the one who asked for June to come. He wouldn't even. He wouldn't even look at her. I think he's having a hard time. I mean, like Morgan is a principled guy. I I don't know how I'd be in his position. I'd probably be less conflicted. I'd be like, it's June. Like June did a a thing, but June, I'm not going to be that stubborn. More, I feel like Morgan is treating Dakota better than he's treating June right now. No, I think he's kind of treating both the same way in a way, and both of them are kind of get the timeout treatment in some sort of sense. Like even when Dakota offers the the information that may be the thing that gets him to find the place, and basically next the next episode proves that Dakota's info or intel is worthy because we do see these people right right regardless of that fact let's that's not the thing at issue here <laughs> she's saying morgan's cold i don't think morgan's cold i think morgan's just conflicted he's not a cold person i think it's hard being morgan i think it's hard having to say hey this is the one rule june broke it now i don't know what i'm supposed to be but i know that the right thing to do is to get grace the best medical attention possible yeah which is june and i know that also june is the best person to deal with daniel and his current state and at the same time that's not to say that he's not thinking i don't know how i feel about this i know he values june because june is john's lady and john was his best friend of course there's no ill wheeling why would there be ill feelings towards june i just think he was just conflicted i think it's hard to be the guy that has to enforce the rules you know and yeah. it's hard i think it's more a anguish to be honest i don't think he's being cold i don't think he means it i mean when you talk to somebody it's just polite to make eye contact I, at least that's how i was raised 
and he just he wouldn't or couldn't i don't know i don't know what the reason but i just didn't like it i didn't like it i mean how do you deal with letting down your best friend's wife does june know that john wanted to kill himself at this point i gotta say no not that he was so far into that doesn't that kind of make sense a little bit that plays into his lack of processing not knowing what to do with dakota not knowing to do about june feeling guilty about about not being there enough for john to prevent his death so that's his not, best friend so not i'm being sure able he to feels like at, he could have done something so it's more about him a not knowing what not to do personally not being able to look at june not how he looks at her it has oh, nothing no. to do with june more to do with him yeah i think when morgan faces an issue he blames himself he turns inward he doesn't okay. blame outward yeah i guess i could see that yeah i just i just saw him not making eye contact with june and it pissed me off oh sharon he doesn't agree with me i think he's forcing himself to live up the, to the idea that this is Ginny's dying wish to have dakota behind the bars and Ginny paid the price for dakota still not happy about having dakota around so that's one thing i don't think the jury is out in what how morgan feels completely about dakota he's forcing himself to live under his own guidelines about what he wants to do versus what he should do with dakota I don't think he wants Dakota there, but this place is meant to be the place for sanctuary for anybody who's willing to live with the rules. Okay. So, yeah. so how does he justify kicking Dakota out? It's hard. And so at the same time, June breaks the rule and yet she's allowed back in. He makes exceptions. He has to grit his teeth. But at the same time, he knows he's, he feels probably responsible for John dying, not being there in the moment. He stepped away from one second and Dakota kills John. So, and now he's keeping John's killer behind. How do you think he feels? I would be confused i don't think he was trying to be rude like how do you how do you it's hard to be happy like for grace and the possibility of her having a kid and now she has to he has to deal with all of this shit I, i'd be under so much stress if i was morgan serenity says oh my god send the little shit to lawton but that's what Ginny wanted Ginny wanted her here this is the right place for her according to Ginny. and there's like almost like a dying wish promise and it's just like what the what is he supposed to do? Anybody who seeks sanctuary is willing to live by the rules is welcome here. That's the that's part of the rules. Again, I'm not Morgan. I wouldn't do the same thing at all. My dad taught me a long time ago that being someone who's too principled and not practical, it, it just doesn't pay. Being principled only means you have to pay more, meaning with your blood, with your sweat, with your sacrifice. And sometimes it's not worth the cost. Sometimes it's enough to take care of yourself, your family, and those around you. And, and sometimes principles be damned. You can only stick up so much for principle. That's what that's what Morgan's doing right now. He's sticking up for his principles, and he doesn't like it. He's not comfortable with it. He's having a hard time with it. I think she was heavily isolated. Nobody's talking to her. That's one thing to note throughout yeah. this episode. Anywhere she went, she made friends with no one. She was always alone. It might be easy for her to slip out at any point, too, if nobody's watching her too close. Another reason she should be locked up or shackled to something. Well, yeah. I mean, she can get killed at any moment, I think. No? Like, anybody could kill her. But then again, that would break the rule, and then... I don't know. Right. I don't well, know if anybody's just... ready to piss off Morgan at this point. Well, she could just leave. I mean, it's Dakota. You think she couldn't find yeah. a way out of there? God, her mom is probably buried there too. Ooh. Oh, do you think they buried her? That's a good yeah. question. What did they do with Jenny? They probably buried her, or made, or, or made Dakota bury her. That would <laughs> suck. Oh, I wish they would have showed us that. <laughs> they might. They might. Right? Think about it. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> 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 but also i'd see that i'd watch i'd watch <laughs> we're armchair murderers aren't we i like uh... <laughs> dakota needs to be locked up so i mean we just we talked about consequences and she's not facing any not right you're definitely on to something yeah i would do that i would do that sure but again i, I don't know how for how long for the rest of her life that's a tough one too 
again, we're dealing with the kid thing, right? Right. You lock her up till she's 21. That's a lot of years. I mean, maybe you're, that's the right decision. I don't know. But again, you said also like in apocalypse years, what does that equal, right? Negan's six year, seven year, nine year, however long the fuck it was. Uh, sentence is probably like a life sentence, right? Right. So, Felt like a lifetime, I'm sure. And the fact is, you mentioned it on this podcast too, so which is which is great because then we could talk about <laughs> it at the end and be like, oh yeah, like you know maybe three years is enough. That's like that 21, or actually maybe I don't know how old she is, like 16. That's probably more than 20. That's probably like 25, three years. So. Uh, <laughs> Becky's like she's not that young like no on the show I think she's very young yeah I think, I think she's think playing she's, a younger person I, I agree yeah I 15 agree. minimum which means you know in some states it's 21 some states it's 25 you sort you serve a you know but if they're gonna if they if they are gonna try and keep Dakota around then she needs to have a skill she needs to be useful some way to contribute to this community that way when she is let out if they ever let her out she has something to focus her energy on instead of trying to escape or taking her anger out on people or what whatever her excuses are focus your energy on to on building the community no matter how we feel about her and we all don't like her i don't like her right so and, let's yeah. let maybe i've not made that clear i don't like dakota <laughs> There are things I can identify with in her. She's a kid. I don't like her though. I don't like what she did. I see a person who's desperately trying to get, trying to get somebody like her by giving some of that intel, in the, you know, at the meeting, but also at the end. Oh yeah, maybe they're literally underground. And if it pays off and it somehow does something more, okay, that's a little tiny with a whole lot of shit on this side. But there's no doubt in my mind that Dakota is going to get her own episode. Now, whether that means that she's going to get the death episode, right? Because that's an interesting thing. But you know that's going to happen, right? You know that she's going to get her own this thing with the, the beginning, the or Dakota like with her head chopped off, maybe in the, <laughs> in the intro. Like it's just a silhouette of her head off her body, and now you just want to figure <laughs> out how it happens, right? <laughs> uh, I don't but, know. Sorry, what, Sharon. What? It might happen, and you might have to be like, okay, this is happening now. I, I mean, I can't, I can't say it's not going to happen because I'm usually wrong, but. Jenny got her I'd own be surprised. One. That was yeah. crazy. I'd be surprised if Dakota did because at this point, what? What? No one wants to hear from her. No one cares what else she has to say or what more story she has to give us. Nobody cares. So if they do try and give us a Dakota episode, it might be one of the lowest rated episodes because no one gives a shit about Dakota. I don't know if that's true because you know what? The Kardashians are still a thing. Who? <laughs> What the is Car that? You know what the Kardashians are. You know they exist. Yeah, fuck them. Okay, I'm not saying I like them. I'm not never, saying you like them. But everybody I've never watched good, an episode. Everybody likes a good car crash. Everybody says, "Oh, that must be sad." Oh, but everybody looks. The fact that they have the platform, well, they exist, is because of other people. Other people supported it, and roundingly so. It, they exist because the same fascination fascination that we have with car crashes is we have to see how this all goes down. This is this is opening up a whole new can of worms for me because my mom just told me about something or showed me something last week that I I was mad for days. I, I, like I'm I'm gonna get mad again thinking about it. Like I am so angry that that this is a real thing. People are paying millions of dollars to own digital fucking pixelated pictures that people are the nfts yeah that's what you're talking I'm, about i'm so <laughs> mad i am so angry that this is a real thing but to bottle what you're <sighs> saying is the fact is that it, you're getting to the like even a bigger way than i said with the kardashians pete it is only a thing and it only has the value that it has <sighs> 
because people give it the value. Bitcoin only has the value that it has because people give it the value. Then they take it away and they put it back and they take it away. They pull it back. I look at, I look at real artists. Okay. Like Robin Overton, like, like Lindy, like Walker Wynn. I, I know, I know these artists who put their blood, sweat, tears, everything they have into their art. And then people are paying millions, millions, multiple millions of dollars for pixelated that's like oh what 10 by 10 maybe like not 10 even by 10 it's not a thing you don't get to hold it it's a digital thing you don't it's not it's not even a real thing you can hold oh my god but you can only create the one <laughs> Okay. But but you can take but you can take screenshots and you could own it. I could own it. Everyone in the world could own it. But this person who paid three point seven million dollars says that they own the original, just the rights and and a and a little thing that says this is the original. That's it. No, oh, and Becky says I read about those NFTs. They put <gasps> NFTs of Chadwick Boseman in the Oscar goodie bags, and then everyone got pissed because Chadwick didn't win best best actor for Oscar. Just like you, as an artist, feels this way about other artists. This is a can of worms I have to keep closed because I mean I I spent a long time trying to be a singer-songwriter in the New York circuit and it was it's hard work and then I see people around me that are succeeding but are so much worse than I am mm -hmm. and so yep, here's the thing here's how I square <laughs> that circle I don't look at other people I don't look at other people people want to be foolish and do their thing and, and, and waste their life or put value on something that may not even deserve that value while other people don't the best thing that we can do as artists is to just take Take care of ourselves and to just show the world or the people around us is probably the most important thing I could say. The people that care about us are devoted to us. They care about us. They care how well we do. Some of the people that track some of the NFTs, I mean, that's what value they put on the thing. And those artists, big, big name artists that get people to follow them and devoted to them. They just want to be devoted to a thing that they can believe in. If that's what they believe in, more power to them. Those people found a way to market themselves to a point which, which they can get to that point. We haven't gotten there yet. And that's fine. It's all the work that you put into it it makes me mad thinking about it sure i could i get okay here's the worst i get the worst i get when, is when we talk about like uh the voice or like um america's got talent those shows make me so mad and irrationally so irrationally so because it doesn't make sense it really doesn't make sense uh i can go into the litany of why it does make me mad and then i can go into the litany of why i shouldn't be mad and you know and the reason why it shouldn't make me mad is because the people that hear what i have to give believe in me it's just a matter of getting access to mm -hmm. more people. I always said it comes down to luck. Some people have luck and others don't. And if, as we've established, I, I don't, I have bad luck. Bad luck follows me. I think Sharon puts it, first of all, she says, okay, June. She says it later. But then she says quality, not quantity. And honestly, if I did that throughout this podcast, I would have given up a long time ago. 100%. Do you think we're at we're where we need to be as a podcast? No, not comparatively. I don't know any of those answers. So I'm they, happy right where we're at. Like, I don't, I don't know any different <laughs> that, i'll give you the answer and i'll say i don't care i don't care i could do more is the thing i could do more to make it more visible it's hard work but i do it because i love it i do it because sharon D, maybe not today <laughs> loves it <laughs> usually I, normally 
And <laughs> look at what we're getting. Look, I, Becky signed on and Alania, Rebecca Punch. And you know, it doesn't matter to me. Like, and I've said this three years ago when we first started, when we first started this thing, three and a half, three, no, three years ago, went like four months or five months. And when we figured eh, nobody's listening to this thing, <laughs> I said, I'd rather 40 people like this post than 4,000 because those 40 people are engaged. I've seen accounts with 12,000 people, 12,000 people following it. And you'll get like five people commenting. Mm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Who won? The percentage wise, I won way bigger. It gave me such an appreciation for where were we at even back then. I'm not saying we're anywhere near prominence at all, visibility wise. I've scratched and clawed to make this this thing as good as as good as, as it is right now. And we're seeing that bear out slowly, like Alicia's growth throughout <laughs> Fear the Walking Dead as a series. I, that's why I enjoy, it's like we're in parallel with Alicia right now. That's why I enjoy her journey. That's the only reason why I'm actually there. <laughs> it's that because she's getting more solid. Like everything that she's done until now, it's not been this wild transition so much here and there. Yes, time has passed and she became harder. She did some crazy things. She's dialed it back and now she's trying to figure out who she wants to be. For us, it's like we're just slowly inch by inch growing. We're trying to do this right. We're trying to do this the right way. We're gathering people on board. People are coming on because they want to. Not because I, I did follow for follow. Follow for follow. I didn't do that shit. I never did that shit. I genuinely engaged with people. If it made them want to stalk us and then say, oh yeah, this sounds cool. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. As much as I'd like to be in the upper echelons of all podcasts, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, I know I reach some people, some people I care about, like you guys. The fact that you're here right now, that means a lot. Like this, to me. Just like when Charlie and Daniel hug before Daniel leaves off with Strand, we, we're giving you a virtual hug as we sign off. And if you really, you really like what we do, and if you, if you're totally offended by this podcast, <laughs> have to rate this podcast.com slash walking dead. Five stars and eggplant is all we need to know that you still love us, but use it as a communications device. Tell us what you got out of this episode. Tell us what you really hated about this episode. I am begging you for you to cancel us right now. Pick the service of your choice. Rate us. It does us a world of good. And also, if you really want to damage us from the inside, <laughs> rate us one star and a poop emoji. But if you really like what we're doing, head over to ko-fi.com slash dead and just follow us. You don't have to do anything else. Just look at look out for posts and conversations where you want to jump in, join the chat during our recordings, lending us your insights, telling us to go fuck off like Sharon D did a bunch of times today. You know, it feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good? It doesn't, <laughs> right? Maybe you shouldn't do it. Buy us a coffee. You'll get 30 days of access to our supported back content. And if you subscribe to Coffee Month, at least we're not going to stop you. The party just keeps on rolling. Join us next week for the action-packed Alicia slash Althea slash Luciana slash Wes slash John Glover slash Nick Stahl episode and probably some other people we don't even know but they're probably great we're gonna see the end is the beginning death cult which doesn't seem like a death cult from the previews however right this is gonna be a pretty big one and hopefully it'll distract us enough to not talk about Dakota again this week next week <laughs> So, we'll see. with that, everybody. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Exactly. We'll see. <laughs> if it descends into a Dakota conversation, I'm going to cut the whole fucking thing out. Unless we think of something <laughs> pretty cool. Unless we get something. Unless we we've, we've, we've squeeze the pus out of that pimple so hard that we freed ourselves from it. A.K.A. Dakota's head. <laughs> Good night, everybody. We'll see you guys next week. Say goodbye, kitty. Bye. 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 Meow. <laughs> <laughs>